All right. Okay, for starters, everybody out of the ring, gonna be on the aprons. We'll start off a little drill, okay? Um, we'll, we'll go two at a time. First drill, uh, circle, lock up, snatch ahead, tackle, drop down, leapfrog, crisscross, switch rolls. Okay, drop down, leapfrog, tackle. Do your best. Watch the two go first. I'll break it down if I say anything wrong, and then we'll go from there. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Don't worry, this is still Satellite Stories. What you're listening to right now is a coach training wannabe pro wrestlers. We're in Hicksville, New York, with Pat Buck at his pro wrestling school. Ah, that must have hurt. Anyway, coming up, we're continuing to explore our partnership with All Elite Wrestling. This time around, it's all about talent. And how we get from this... I'm your host, Christina Swiftmeyer, and this is the story of why satellite television matters to professional wrestlers. So far in this series, we've discovered why SES invests in live sports broadcasting, and we visited one of our sports hubs, to hear how we help major broadcasters get and stay on air. But we recognize it's not all about technology and signing the dotted line. What we do at SES is all about people. And what would pro wrestling be without people? So I think it's time to meet the talent on the AEW roster. After all, only a handful make it pro in this industry. Let's find out what it takes. My name is Pat Buck, and I am the Vice President of Talent Development for AEW. But on my off days, I'm here on Long Island going to my wrestling school. I'm the head trainer and owner of Creator Pro Wrestling in Hicksville, New York, which basically is where future wrestling stars get their start uh, at my dojo. They sign up there basically learning how to how to do everything they can to become successful in professional wrestling. So I've been in wrestling for about 21 years now. Uh, I'm originally from Queens, which is about 20 minutes from here. I was uh, eager, hopeful, like a lot of my students, and I always had grand plans of becoming, you know, wrestling's biggest superstar. And at a young age, I kind of went very far, but not far enough. I was always on the brink of, you know, being on national television, but it just never quite worked out for me. And then, you know, 21 turned to 25, and then 25 turned to 28. And I realized quickly that I needed not so much a plan B, but there was more I could do in wrestling. And in that process, I went, you know what? Maybe I should open up a school. And now I have a, I have two schools, and, and thank God I did so, because I really found a, uh, a different calling in life, and that's to be the coach and be the, you know, the the mentor to a lot of upcoming talent. And found long-term success in helping cultivate careers and teaching people about wrestling, which led to my position in AEW and now helping their roster grow, just like I do my own students. So we're pulling up to my dojo, the Creator Pro Wrestling Academy, and before class starts, 
kind of have to run through different things like tightening the rope, sweeping the canvas, just making sure everything's kind of up to protocol for before students get here tonight, but most of all safe before we even do any sort of grappling and start in tonight's action. Pat, I'm curious about how you entered this world of pro wrestling. Can you take me back to your childhood, to maybe the first time you saw it on the TV or you heard someone talk about it? The first time I saw professional wrestling, I remember it was vaguely on the background. My uncle and father were watching it. I remember a steel cage match and the rest was history. So I grew up always being a fan of pro wrestling. It was always on the background. Every action figure I had, every toy, every thought, every, everything revolved around wrestling. And then when I got to eighth grade, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to be a pro wrestler. Graduated high school, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a pro wrestler. And now here I am, you know, in my late 30s, and I'm still a pro wrestler, but now I've been able to kind of step out of the performer realm and be more so as a coach. I just knew that personally that no matter what it took, I was going to figure out how to become successful in this line of work, which was um, a rather unique line of work. And as I got kind of older and older, I started realizing, you know what, I need, not that I need a backup plan, but maybe there's a bigger picture here. So I took that kind of, dare I say, failure as a, to make it to becoming a super successful TV performer, but taking all the skill set and sort of running my own shows and sort of opening my own training school and becoming a coach and an advocate in every single place I came, learning about how to uh, run cameras, how to, how to deliver promos, teaching others how to talk. And my reputation in wrestling has kind of grown tenfold because I've been able to give this knowledge to the future generation so they can become TV stars. When it comes to the topic of sports broadcast. Can you tell me a little bit about how you find that to be an, an important activity that you get to do maybe together with your family and your friends? You know, just like you discussed um, with me before, hanging out with your uncle, watching pro wrestling on TV. I think a big part of what drew me to pro wrestling was the whole sports broadcast, live broadcast, because the big moments would happen, say, once a month. I remember once every Sunday, every month, would be a pay-per-view event. Later, as TV and cable kind of progressed with professional wrestling, it was, oh man, I can't miss Monday nights. I can't miss Thursday nights. I can't miss Wednesday nights. And these live broadcasts and these, the, the whole idea of seeing, of gathering and experiencing what you're seeing on television and not knowing what's gonna happen for live television is what really makes professional wrestling still to this day. If there wasn't these sort of live moments, this, these, uh, these waves of unpredictability, these different things on television or just a, a way to consume them, there wouldn't be a business for me. There wouldn't be, so that's, I still think to this day as far as broadcasting that if television is gold in terms of pro wrestling and being a pro wrestler, and these little moments waiting to kind of, you know, I remember, I just remember some of my fondest teenage memories being a wrestling fan, having friends over and kind of going, I, I just can't wait for nine o'clock Monday night to watch this championship match. And that, that feeling inside when it, when it goes your way and the, the person that you want to win wins the championship and just having that feeling inside, 
I'm willing to believe, I'm not a psychologist, but I think that kind of molded my mindset and kind of, you know, put the jetpack on me to, to pursue this. It was, it was, I still feel, I can remember where I was when I was 14, watching someone win the world title. I remember when I was a little kid, watching one of my heroes lose the championship and these live broadcasting moments or these sports broadcast moments shaped my mind forever. And it's still just as pivotal now as it was back then. And what did it feel like for you when you were then right in front of the camera? Because pro wrestlers, they really engage with the audience at home, just like, you know, they were right there in the crowd. Right. When, when you're a pro wrestler, it's like, it's a mixture of, we have the, these arenas filled with thousands of people. But at the same time, you got to realize that your biggest, your biggest consumer or your biggest part of your audience is the millions at home. So you have to find a healthy medium to entertain all these thousands that are in attendance and have your performance and your, your personality and everything, your emotions engage towards that crowd and also find ways of transmitting that energy, not just at that crowd, but to all these cameras at home. And that's part of the skill set that you learn here at Creative Pro is how to kind of work for cameras, but even more so, how do you take a live performance where you have to include thousands in an arena, make sure everybody can see it, and at the same time, open yourself up so these cameras can capture your emotion, take it to millions watching, so they can all collectively have the same experience as those in the arena that night. That's the art of pro wrestling itself. I want to come and discuss um, you know, what you've set up here, the Creator Pro organization, but before we get to that, can you just walk me through the process that wrestlers go through when they come up with a persona? How does all of that work? When wrestlers come up with a persona, it's often trial and error. A lot of times, students, when they sign up here, they'll have a vision of themselves in mind. I wanna be, I wanna be some sort of obnoxious, arrogant, Hollywood-style person. And then I'll ask them, well, is that, kind of how you are in real life, and chances are they're not. So I find that the best example of some sort of person's character in wrestling is a level of their actual individuality, how they really are in real life, but find a way to kind of turn it up a little bit. But it has to be genuine. So a lot of times too, when you're becoming this professional wrestling persona, you really gotta find what motivates you in real life, what you actually are, and find ways to kind of crank up the volume a bit, and hopefully a proper coach can show you how to do that in the ring. Can you tell me about sort of your vision and mission for Create a Pro Wrestling Academy? And how, well, what kind of relationship does this school have with AEW? Create a Pro's found a success because we're so tied into AEW. Uh, AEW's founder, owner, president, Tony Khan, really, caught wind of a couple people that came from Create a Pro and he just kind of knew there's something special going on here. And then graduate after graduate came along and when he saw them perform, he saw something in them that I saw from day one too. So there's been sort of a synergy between AEW and Create a Pro in that I can train these men and women, I can get them to a certain point and then Tony and AEW can take them, put them on a grand platform and really mold them in what he wants the world to see them as, and it's just the greatest relationship and synergy that could possibly be in pro wrestling. A class of enthusiastic students start to arrive as we're talking to Pat. We decided to sit and watch. 
and it was incredible to hear his advice about how they can handle the crowd and the cameras when performing. Here's a taster. Around six o'clock, we open our doors. We are open to all genders, sizes, athletic abilities. Now, I do try to be honest with students that coming in here, you're in a sport. If you've never been off the couch before, chances are this isn't for you. This isn't a karate school. This isn't a walk in the park. They're going to be tested. They're going to be beat up. They're not going to be hurt, but they're going to know that what we do here is not exactly easy. And if, and if anyone tells you that it's easy, they're lying to you. So to be honest with you, maybe one out of every thousand people make it. And that's being generous. So that's what the school is all about. Prepare you for that, for that one in a thousand. All right. If you're in the way of the middle, please drop down to the floor. I just don't want anybody in the cross section to get hit by the ropes. Two at a time. Circle, aggressive lockup, work to a headlock, shoot off, tackle, When students come into Creative Pro, down, they're not just learning professional wrestling. They're working on physical body movements and how does that translate it to camera. So a big part of this too where you may actually learn how to put on a submission hold or a body slam or some sort of headlock, but you don't realize that if you don't have the proper look on your face to the camera, the, the viewer at home won't believe in what you're doing. Everything that we do is bigger and larger than life, and that's for camera. There's always gonna be a set hard camera that doesn't move, say it's right there. But this is a mistake. If we know the first thing is a headlock, and the, the hard camera is that direction, and I have you, and I, we lock up, and I grab a headlock, and I go here, this isn't interesting. That's not selling tickets. Sure, that side of the arena is not seeing my face, but that's thousands compared to millions. There's floor cameras here and here. You know, find them. If I get hit in the stomach, I don't want to see the tops of your heads. I don't want to see you get hit in the stomach and go, oh, get hit in the stomach and go, ah. This is how we're showing. I want to see that. This is where the emotion is. There's no emotion in this. Literally, think about, and think about a child watching you. Think about someone who's not that interested in wrestling watching you. How do you let them know you're in pain? How do you let them know that you're winning and you're, you're confident? Smiles, aggression, eyes, you know, fear. If you're watching Superman get beat up or Batman get beat up and he's hiding his face the whole time, you're not. But if you're seeing him in peril, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's just the importance of cameras in wrestling. Over the years, many budding wrestlers have walked through the doors at Pat's Dojo, and now a fair few of them are on the books for AEW. So back in Arthur Ashe Stadium, on the day of Dynamite Grand Slam, we were allowed backstage and had a chance to speak to two of them. My name is Chris Statlander. Uh, I started wrestling about six years ago and uh, I didn't watch wrestling growing up, but I somehow fell into it on accident is like, is how I like to say it because I was a manager for two years. Then I was like, I think I can do it. And then here I am, six years later, still doing it and loving it. Chris Statlander! Chris Statlander is back for the first time in months. Statlander has returned. 
something that gives me a buzz about being a professional wrestler, I would say probably just the experience of getting to travel and perform for so many different people. It's always such a fun experience and just feeling the crowd just loving or hating you, it's always just, just an amazing feeling just to know that you're giving people a reason to feel something. So pretty much everything that I know about wrestling currently is everything that I've ever learned at Creator Pro. Um, like I said, I didn't know anything about wrestling growing up. I didn't watch it. And I, once I started getting involved in wrestling, that's where I just learned, learned as I went. And uh, Creator Pro really, not just Creator Pro, the school, but everyone that I met there just really taught me everything and really showed me what it's like to have like a second family. I'm absolutely Ricky Starks. Uh, we're here in Arthur Ashe in New York City. Uh, I'm about to win a match tonight against a rivalry of the name of Will Hobbs on Rampage. Uh, and it's going to be insane. There's 16,000 people in the Arthur Ashe Stadium that are going to be chaining my name and hitting my pose. And I don't think I could have asked for a better Wednesday. I started watching wrestling when I was about six, and I only watched wrestling. I never did any sports. I never really watched anything else besides wrestling. So it was cool for me to watch that and live through that type of larger-than-life imagination that was able to be put on TV. Um, the, I think the reason I connected so well to wrestling was because I also have a very large imagination and I could easily entertain myself uh, when my, my siblings were around. So the fact that I had television to watch wrestling on and then go to the shows live and then come home and then my brother would sometimes watch wrestling with me, it's cool to, to share that, you know, to have that type of connection with somebody else. I think had I not, had we not had the television at all, I don't think I'd even be here right now. I'm sure I would have found wrestling, but I don't think it, I would have the same type of love and passion that I have for it since I did when I was six. And don't forget, Hobbs, when you were standing around in Jacksonville in a bedazzled t-shirt being Britt Baker's security guard, you were playing background player then. I really can't explain that feeling to you. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to put into words what that, what that feels like. The best way I could even come close to probably explain it to you is, you know how when you're on the, uh, the ascension on the roller coaster, and you know there's this big drop about to happen, and you, it starts here, and it kind of makes its way up. And then right before you do the, the drop, your whole body clenches up, and you get this surge of adrenaline that rushes through, and this kind of dissipates, and you don't have that feeling of butterflies anymore. And then immediately when you go down, you're now just hit with a bunch of endorphins and pleasure, and it's like ecstasy. It's literally that. As I'm walking through the corridors, it's me just making my way up to the, the top of this roller coaster. And immediately when I hit my pose on the stage, I'm already dropping down. That is the best way to explain it. And nailed him. I think it might be time for Lou Rochambeau, baby. It's coming. Starks has ice on up. Rochambeau! Starks, what? Back outside the stadium, we meet up with Pat for the final time. He's pumped, excited for tonight's matchups. And this part of town, it's where he considers home. 
Fortunately, he's happy to share it with thousands of fans. Tonight is the very special episode of Grand Slam Dynamite and Grand Slam Rampage, our biggest TV event of the year. And the electricity is going to run through here at a ridiculously high level. I'm excited to be a part of this, producing one of the biggest TV spectacles this year for AEW. It's going to be an awesome night. I know that when you're preparing for any sort of match, there's some butterflies in your stomach. But here it's a little bit different. I think there's a lot of adrenaline, a lot of excitement. For some reason, the New York area have the most rowdiest of fans, and you got to up your game just a little bit more if you really want to stand out and become a star. So a lot of these performers tonight, all the wrestlers, all the men and women that want to do this tonight, and that you're going to see on the grand stage, they're going to up their level, up their game by 50% to 100%, because they want to give this, they want to prove that they belong, and they want to prove that they're destined for stardom. And tonight's basically the Super Bowl for me. Because I have people that I've coached from scratch that are going to perform here tonight. And what they realize is that not just their TV time in AEW has allowed them to enter the homes and do things they never thought possible. They realize that TV time is more than money. It's, it's a legacy. It's something that will live on and something that they'll have for their children and just something that nobody can ever take away from them. And they get to show New York what they can do tonight. If it wasn't for television, not only would I not be here, wrestling would cease to exist. The biggest commodity, the biggest thing that professional wrestling has is television time. We need that time to make the audience familiar with what we do. It's not just about the body slams or the larger than life personas. It's how do we broadcast that through cameras, through action, through movement, through storytelling. That's how we connect with people. That's the epicenter of our business. So television is the most important thing in professional wrestling. And television is where we're headed for the final episode of this four-part series. Next time, we'll meet the fans watching at home via pay-per-view and hear from CEO and founder of AEW, Tony Khan, who shares how, within three years, their content is being watched in 130 countries worldwide. Thanks for listening. Come back soon to find out what happened at the Dynamite Grand Slam through the eyes and ears of the fans. <laughs>